Hello, everybody. This is Ryan Anthony Hernandez, and you're listening to the podcast, The Truth That Heals. For today's episode, I have invited a special friend of mine. Her name is Claudia. She is an amazing person, and she has so much wisdom. And I'm going to be having a little discussion with her uh, that you'll be hearing shortly. And in this podcast, what I'm trying to do or at least in this episode when talking with Claudia is talking about the the verbal harassment that I had undergone while I was in this religious organization slash cult and how for so many years I had tried to be perfect as as they had wanted me to yet no matter how high, how hard i try to be perfect it was it was like you're damned if you do you you're damned if you don't so i was always being you know punished and not just me um there were other members who whom i would see get really humiliated and they would try their best and it was never good enough and while leaving this community and i must admit there were some positives but there were a lot of negatives and i'm I'm saying that because a lot of people think that I'm just uh, making a sob story and just putting on talking about the negatives. Well, I'm I'm talking about the negatives because when I left, there was so much trauma. And if you know someone who is in a community community like the one that I was in, and you want them to leave, you have to educate yourself. You have to know. How am I going to help that person? Now, everyone's story is different. Not everyone was treated the way I was. However, if my story helps you to help someone else recover, then for me, that's the goal. That's the mission. I'm not trying to blast religion. I'm not trying to uh, slam other people's ideologies. I'm just saying that when you are going through manipulation, gaslighting when you're told oh you're a failure when you're told the devil was going to be cursing you over and over again because you're not you're not meeting other people's expectations of perfection or sometimes they just do it to quote unquote test your holiness which i think is very wrong it's it's a it's a form of spiritual abuse they become spiritual bullies and what happened is when I left, I had a deal with that idea that everything I did, everything I touched was, as they would say, a curse. Or they would say, I'm going to be hexed for the rest of my life. So in the beginning from when I left and when I had this freedom, I didn't know how to think. I didn't know how to react. I didn't know how to understand myself because in my mind, after all those years of brainwashing, I was a failure. And in my mind, I had believed firmly that God had given up on me. And in this discussion with uh, Claudia, one thing that uh, really came out is loving your genuine self, not forcing yourself to do things that are against your will, not blaming yourself for things that others did, and instead looking deep within and understanding 
who I truly am and hopefully who you whom you truly are and going off of that. So without further ado, I'm going to uh, play this this interview with my good friend, Claudia. I hope you all enjoy and have a good day. And God bless. Hello, everyone. I am the host of the podcast, The Truth That Heals. And today I have a special guest, Claudia Moreno Villanueva. Uh, she is from San Antonio. And Claudia, nice to see you. Nice to see you, Ryan. Thank you for inviting me today. Uh, I would like to uh, ask you first, if you can kindly introduce yourself to the audience, maybe say something about what you do and how it is that you help people. Sure. So um, I currently work as an FFT supervisor and FFT stands for functional family therapy. Um, I also am a national consultant for that particular therapeutic model. And I've got several teams that I work with um, along the East Coast. Um, and I also run a sole proprietorship where I provide life coaching and hypnotherapy to individuals that are struggling with anxiety and many of the results of being an anxious person, like having troubles with relationship, dealing with loss, um, having to cope with traumatic events. How many years have you, do you have of experience? So I have a master's in clinical psychology and I received that master's back in 2007. So I've been practicing in different ways since then. Um, I dabbled with research prior to getting into um, doing uh, direct care um, and providing therapeutic services. And I think the reason for that was that a part of me was kind of scared of being faced with uh, so much trauma and dealing with that and carrying that burden and that weight. Um, but I found some ways to cope with it with my faith. Um, you know, I'm a devout Catholic. Um, I'm not a perfect Catholic, uh, but I, I certainly treasure my faith. And it's, it's helped me overcome some of the barriers I faced in life and also be a better practitioner, you know, because uh, it's not an easy thing to, to help people with their mental health issues. Uh, you, you said something which I think can really jumpstart the discussion. Uh, mm -hmm. You said, I am not a perfect Catholic. And I'm highlighting that because in one of my previous episodes, I was talking about exorcisms and you know demonizing people. And in the community that I was in, the goal was to be perfect, perfect, like, you know, absolutely mm -hmm. perfect, no flaws, no human weaknesses. You're not going to be hungry. If you're hungry, you must be uh, gluttonous. If you are sleepy, it's because you're lazy or because you are infested by demons. And so mm -hmm. I'm, I, when you said that it was like, uh, not a trigger, but it kind of, you know, uh, it hit me in a, in, in a way because for so long when I was in this community, mm -hmm. not just for me, but for so many others, we were expected to be perfect. And if you weren't perfect, it was a green light for the superiors to be uh, verbally abusive, to harass yeah, us. Punishing. 
Uh, is this a trend not only in religious violence but also like in domestic violence? You know that trend of you know verbal abuse. Yeah, let me let me speak to to one thing first that that came out to me when you were talking about this because I've become very passionate about this in the work that I do with individuals because perfectionism is seen as um, a a result of having experience emotional trauma, you know, because that's where we find our safety in keeping things just in a certain way or behaving just a certain way so that we don't have to face the wrath of someone or um, feel shame about what's happened in our life. And, and, And this is my thing. I'm just a lay person, but I wonder if in the beauty of our faith and the mercy that God has taught us, where do we leave space for being perfect in the sense that, that God has, has allowed us to be perfect, where, where he's able to make that move in that trans, transition in our life and not that we are forcing it upon ourselves? Because if, correct me if I'm wrong, it's really about leaving ourselves vulnerable to allowing God to work in our lives not forcing ourselves to be a certain way because that's already the current expectation. It's like, where do we leave room for God to work in us? It's my question to what happened. And then the next question that you asked is, is um, or, or, or what you were trying to allude to is really about um, more of like, is it something that frequently I'm, I see or have experienced with people that have endured that type of religious trauma. Is that what it was? Well, in, in, in this church community that I was in, mm-hmm. you know, we were just, we didn't know what was happening in the world. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I feel that many of us, now that we have left that community, we can't really connect with outsiders. Uh, we feel like we're just um, like it has happened to us. So I'm wondering if if this kind of verbal abuse of you know that mm-hmm. expectation of perfection, if that is you know only within the religious realm, or does it happen like in the normal life setting of you know people who are married, people who are um, either single and you know in front in the, in the yeah. in society is that ongoing or how frequently is that happening i see it widespread i, I mean honestly you know i deal with families consistently and, and issues of and we just talked about this topic today in a consultation that i had with one of my um teams in dc and it's about holding up these unrealistic expectations of of perfection that parents are unwilling to at times due to bad parenting from their parents, you know, where there wasn't any leeway for making mistakes um, or, you know, struggling with certain issues. There was these expectations that you just do what you're told and you do it now and you do it fast and you don't ask any questions. You're more, you know, seen than you are heard. And, and yes, it's, I, I think it's something that you see in relationships where there is no room for vulnerability. Um, and oftentimes you see that in relationships when you're dealing with an individual that has high narcissism, you know, um, 
And it's very difficult for people to get away from those relationships because this idea of you fall so far from the mark, you know, without, you know, with, without meeting that, that expectation of, you know, you, you, you do certain things, you act certain ways and that kind of stuff. And it's a cycle of abuse that people get used to that when they're finally free of that, it really breaks down any concept that they had of being good, of being lovable and and an acceptable human being. Um, So yeah, I see it across the boards and in all types of relationships. It it isn't something that's just um, connected to a religious life. It's everywhere, it's life, you know? I I asked that, you know, specifically because in my case, and I don't speak for everyone who was in this religious mm-hmm. community. Mm-hmm. However, I can speak for my, from my experience. When I left that religious community, I felt that no one else would understand. I felt that, you know, this only happened to me and uh, no one is going to believe me. And at first that did happen. No one wanted to believe me. Uh, it was an expectation that I needed to be silent, but the only ones who really listened were my parents and Mm. I feel I feel so lucky but then um, you are blessed I'm blessed because I mean that doesn't always happen where where you can talk to your parents and they believe you my father and my mother they didn't want to believe that these things actually happened at first Mm -hmm. but then you know as time went on and I shared more of what happened uh, they started being more supportive yeah. Um, but it really took a, a long time and a lot of support. Uh, I wanted to go back uh, really quick. Mm-hmm. We were talking about that uh, perfectionism. Um, how can a, a victim of you know that that verbal harassment, where you're expected you're expected to be perfect, and even though they try their best they fail in the eyes of uh, the abuser or the manipulator. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, What can you recommend or like what thinking process should change to get out of it? Because, I mean, I stayed there for 11 years. I mean, it was really almost impossible for me to get out of it. It was like a miracle. Let me ask you a question before I answer that. Yes, yes. Did you feel you became... Part, it became part of your identity to these people where there was almost this um, agreement to a certain extent that yes, you were lacking in this or that. Did you feel at a certain point where you started to kind of concede with them? Like, yeah, I am this you know, unworthy person or something. I think for the first eight years, mm-hmm. but then like maybe towards the ninth year, I said, I said silently, you know, fuck you guys, because um, you're expecting me to be perfect. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm trying to be a good Christian. I'm trying to be a good person. And yet I'm, I'm doing it and I'm still getting uh, like public humiliations. I'm still getting punished. And then, so I got pissed off and I started disobeying. But then when I started disobeying, it's like all that verbal verbal harassment over the years of you're not good enough the the devil is out to get you 
it all came back and I did feel, oh yeah, they're right. You know, look at me, I'm so terrible. Yeah, and then the shame sank in even further. And so you just kind of answered the question for me by giving an example of how you listened to emotions. Emotions are very important messengers. They tell us that there may be something off about something. And that anger is what then prompted you to say, the hell with this. This is not for me. I have been giving the utmost that I can, even well beyond what I can. I'm killing myself here. And yet that still isn't enough for you. And so I think it's important for people to listen to their emotions, not to shut them off, but to welcome them as, um, as messengers to something very critical that they need to pay attention to. It's like alarm bells going off. Something is wrong. It's so funny that you say that mm-hmm. because people know that I call that that community that I was in a cult mm-hmm. because one of the things that they would do are, uh, I, I forgot the term, I think it's called mental blockers where like you, you before you can think on your own, they've mm-hmm. like brainwashed you to like stop thinking. And that is, they would say repeatedly, uh, don't trust your emotions. If ever you have emotions, don't follow it. You know, just obey the superior, do, do what you're told. And they would say, uh, self-will, self-love is from the devil. So if you love yourself, uh, that's already, you're being attacked. Uh, you're being emotional. Don't, let, don't give in. And here I'm, I'm hearing from you that emotions are... Or like a like a a warning red flag, flag. Red a flag. warnings. Yeah, like it's it's critical to be in touch with what's going on with you physically, not just mentally. It's all very connected, and in this case, spiritually. Because I wonder at any time if, if individuals going through this process of really breaking down someone psychically, um, that they ever question that this is in no way alignment with doctrine. I mean, if you truly are seeking the truth, then you educate yourself. And that's the whole purpose behind free will. God gave us that not to simply be heathens and do whatever the heck we want. It was for us to truly want to be with him. And that's a choice that we've made. Knowing what we know about the faith, knowing what we know about Christ and what he left us, I would say like a legacy almost. And that's probably the wrong term, but that's how I see it, right? Um, <laughs> And, you know, and, and wanting to know more about the faith rather than having someone tell you this is how it is and then just following it blindly because Christ could have done that at any time with his disciples. But did he? No. I would say no, not at any time. You know, and, and so I think individuals that come into a certain level of power, whether it be in the church or any other institution, will use this tactic as a way of creating division within yourself. Division within yourself. Um, Yes. Can you explain that a little more? Absolutely. So division with yourself is like, I am no longer connected to my, my bodily sensations and what's going on with me because we are, are individuals that even before a stimuli comes into view, we're already feeling that something might be wrong. Our spidey sense in a sense, right? And that's incorrect to say, but our, our central nervous system is always constantly giving us input 
about what might not be right about something. I'm sure you and many others listening today have had a feeling of walking into a room and sensing something's just a little bit off, right? Yes. You know, and so when somebody comes in and says, just use your cognition, just, and maybe not even use your cognition, just follow this and take my orders and separates you from your intuition, which was God-given, then that's division within yourself. And that's when we fall. Now, I, I can say for myself and probably mm-hmm. many of the other members that I shut off intuition. For me, the only, the only will was the will of the superior and like, let's say, I remember towards the end of, of my so-called vows, I expressed that I had wanted to leave, but instead of allowing me to leave, you know, they just said, mm-hmm. hey, you're, you're still under us. So here's your plane ticket, go to the Philippines and you can't question. But deep inside, I feel that I was bury, like burying mm-hmm. those, uh, as you said, the spider, spidey sense (laughs) (laughs) i mean they're going off like crazy but yeah i'm i'm afraid because if i do react i'm gonna be shamed or in the homily i've seen other like brothers and sisters leave and the narrative is always uh if you leave you're going to be infested by the devil you're going to be a bad person um you know, Jesus, now that I'm out of the group, I don't think Jesus works like that. I don't think God works like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're, you're mentioning how God gave us free will. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, with that mentality of, you know, that brainwashing of how bad we are if we, if we leave, what I'm trying to ask is, how can a person heal when they've been indoctrinated brainwashed with this idea that they're going to be cursed Mm -hmm. I, i think i think people end up internalizing that and they do have this ongoing fear that something like that might occur i think at a certain level there has to be a realization or a sense almost of acceptance that something brutally violent whether it be psychologically or actual physical abuse or even spiritually being attacked um, has occurred. And it's changed, it that changed the way they perceive themselves and the world. Um, and I say this because personally, you know, I've gone through some terrible things. I think all of us collectively as humans have, have experienced certain shifts in, in, in ways of thinking in this world. And you know, just with the pandemic and everything like that, that we've been a little bit left on edge. And it was, it was a a reckoning for me in a sense, personally, where I had to stop and think, you know, some really bad stuff has happened. And I have felt overwhelmed. And you know what, like, I need to accept that at a certain level that, that I'm in a struggle, and um, I need to ask for help. And, um, and that's okay. And, and I think that's part of the step is realizing that something really bad did happen. We can go on through life excusing it or trying to hide from it and, and maybe thinking that, you know, if I question it, then, then I am going to go to hell or, 
I am going to be infested by demons and all these bad things that they said that were going to happen to me is going to happen. Or I can start to look at what is out there that contradicts what they've told me, you know, and it is battling cognitive distortions is what we call it. You know, this, this um, all or nothing thinking, this catastrophic thinking, Uh, it's all meant when they do it to create extreme anxiety in you and to keep you under their thumb because if it's almost like a threat of violence. If I tell you that something awful is going to happen to the people that you love, you're likely going to follow my commandment, whatever it is, because you don't want that loved one to be hurt. And it's the same thing for self. You don't want to be hurt emotionally, physically, or spiritually. So you stick around and you continue to get hurt, oddly enough. Yeah. um, I continue to get hurt. But the reason why I say it was because I didn't want my family to get cursed. Um, I'll give you an example of something that they would uh, drill into our minds. And that was, uh, if you become a priest in our community, God will bless your family to the seventh or eighth generation. But if you leave, then what do you think is going to happen? The opposite. And what's the opposite of a blessing? A curse. So if you leave this place, God's going to curse you and your family for eight generations. And it's like, oh, shit. I got to stay here. I don't want to stay here. Um, but there's that collateral damage. Like if, if I leave, you know, my family's going to get, mm-hmm. they're going to get cursed. And mm-hmm. for so long, I had wanted to leave. I had wanted mm-hmm. to be resilient, but I, mm-hmm. I just, I just couldn't. And I ended up leaving through uh, disobeying. Um, yeah. But then that shame and uh, trauma just like, came pouring in and I think I'm still healing from it yeah and it's gonna take time I think it's beautiful that you found the courage to step outside that box and to question and then to say I need to separate because it's either going to be um I continue to stay here and die slowly you know uh because I think there can be an emotional death where you feel just completely empty inside Um, And that affects you spiritually and physically in so many ways that we're just finding out through science. Um, Or I can go out and and find the courage to live a life um, to the best of my ability so that it's worth living. You know, I think you and I kind of talked about that a little bit. There's this dialectical behavioral therapy model that's used to help people that have undergone um, a tremendous amount of trauma in their life and, and have been, have become emotionally dysregulated. Um, and it's derived from Buddhist concepts of being mindful and so forth, but it's, it's lovely in the sense that it gives us hope that even after all those tragic things have occurred and we have experienced the worst in life, that we can still hope for a life worth living, that we don't need to be stuck and what's happened, that that's something that happened to us. It's not necessarily who we are or who we choose to be as a person um, and that we can make life up as we go. Uh, You know, I think that the sad thing about uh, 
the faith can often be that people get so stuck in their self-righteousness, so stuck in saying, well, God gave us these laws and he gave us these commandments and that's, we should do that. But to the detriment of not accepting that he also realized that as human beings, we have significant flaws. And that's not to say that we're going to dismiss um, the fact that, you know, there's a right and there's a wrong, but that we can't color everything black and white. You know, that there is a, there's a gray area and that needs to be acknowledged, you know, and, and that's what people that, that want to use religion for all the wrong reasons always are trying to take away from us that ability to see the gray. And I think that's perfect what you're saying. Uh, perfect for, for me and for the listeners because we were told that exact thing, but the opposite. We were told there, there is no gray. It's either you go full, like full on in or you're not, if, you don't, if you're not perfect uh, in the way we see things, then, um, then you're, on the, the, you're on the bad side. It's either you're on the good side or you're on the bad side. There's no in between. And I think hearing about a gray side, that is like, maybe some of the listeners would be, you know, those who have been in there are probably like squirming or I don't wanna say squirming, but, <laughs> It's something that we were just um, indoctrinated not to believe. And I think that with a little gray area, we can, or at least for myself, I can mm -hmm. be a little bit easier on myself because, you know, after I left, I saw my flaws and my weaknesses, and maybe they're not really so bad, you know, just human, mm -hmm. human weaknesses. And I would put myself in that spectrum of just being the worst person of demonizing myself. Mm -hmm. uh, but here with, with that gray area, what I'm reflecting is that it's more of a forgiving area. Not, and you said earlier, we're not dismissing that there's good and bad. Mm -hmm. But I, I think that with that gray area, you can, at least for myself, I can forgive myself that, hey, I am weak, but at least if I'm in the gray area, I can, you know, still go to the good side. Yes, there's still a chance. And there is, there's providence awaits. And, and it does till the day you die. I had this argument with my, my mother recently, because on my healing journey, I realized that there was a certain level of demonic influence in the terms of the black and white thinking, because I started to get into a space of, well, maybe I'm not worthy for for the things that God promised me once, because I really screwed up in this area. You know, I got divorced and I was married through the church and it's like, now I'm, I'm nothing. And I felt that way for so long. And I carried that cross and it became so heavy. And then I was listening to Lauren Daigle and I, I don't know if you listen to her charismatic music, but I think it was such a beautiful reminder. It was like, God sent me a reminder of like, I created you good. And I also created you with the knowledge that there's going to be times that you fail, but that's when I'm ever most present with you because then I can do my greatest work. Is that in the song? No, 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 no. That okay. isn't in the song. But, oh, okay. I thought that was but, that, but she, she, she says lyrics 
alluding to that. Now I'm just sum okay. summarizing because okay. I can't remember her lyrics, <laughs> Okay. but she talks about God reminding you of all the great things that you are. And he created you to be knowing that there's going to be times where you mess up or you, you trip and fall, but he's going to be there to pick you up. You know, he has not forgotten you. And that's so beautiful, especially is, for it, someone who, is. who is, I mean, you know, religious abuse isn't only in religious communities. I think there is religious, spiritual abuse all over in the church and not only in the Catholic church in other communities, other denominations. Mm -hmm. And sadly, the last thing that pops into your mind is that God still loves you. It's like, oh, God wants to punish me. He, he wants nothing to do with me. And then hearing you, how you had that argument with your mom, you know, that sucks to argue with your mom, but still uh, you have that realization that, damn, you know, God, God still wants a relationship with me and with every single person. And I think that's just something so beautiful. Yeah. And I probably exaggerated. It wasn't necessarily an argument. It was like a debate, but we got heated about it <laughs> and passionate because I, I, I want to believe that there is so much beauty in this faith. And there's also people out there, unfortunately, despite all the beauty, that choose to take it and twist it. And that's where I say the demonic influence comes in, because the minute you start forgetting that God made you beautiful and powerful and wonderful, um, and when I say powerful, not in a egotistical way, but that we have the ability to do some awesome things for others, you know, and for ourselves. Um, that's when he seeps in and he steals your joy. And that's the very thing that leads you down the way, the road away from Christ. I think sometimes um, when we should be getting closer to him, you know? So, I mean, I can go on and on about this, but I think profoundly what's important is that we remember that, there are times where um, we are just fallible. I mean, we are, we were, we were not created that way, but you know, certain things happen along the way. We know the history, we've read yes. the Bible, <laughs> yeah. you know, and it, it, and it's, it, it is what it is. It is what it is. And as we're talking, I am sensing so much, well, two things resilience and so much hope in in the way you're speaking in just uh, you know just in this conversation and i would like to ask for for your advice on how can a person like me or you know for the audience those who have been through you know verbal abuse and um you know religious abuse despite all those things, how can they be resilient as well? And how can they be hopeful? You know, I think resilience comes from having a sense of community. I think it, it, it comes from speaking the, your truth. Um, and I don't say this because there isn't some great definitive truth, because I think people from the Catholic mindset might might feel like, well, there's only one truth. But I think the way you experience things and your perception of events that have taken place um, is just as valid as someone else's. Um, and, and oftentimes people might wanna steal that from you. 
But I think fundamentally, part of the healing process is speaking about what has occurred. And um, it's so critical, like Peter Levine talks about what really is trauma. And from his perspective, and people have given multiple definitions, but I really love his because it's just like not necessarily what's happened to you. It's what you were left alone to deal with. And see, that's the clencher. Because when we keep this in ourselves, when we don't give an opportunity to give voice to the pain, to the hurt, then we stay stuck, you know, because we're still alone. We're still trying to grapple. You know, we're not reaching out to community. We're not giving a voice to what's occurred. We're not giving courage to others that have gone through similar experiences and need that connection because it is truly through connection that we heal. I think that's why we have the church militant. I think that's why we have us and why God didn't just say, well, you're alone and you go to church alone. He gave us the mass and we do it all together collectively, you know, and that's the beauty of it, that all together we can support each other and get each other to where we want to be. Doing it alone is way too hard. It is way too hard. And as, as you're, you're talking about that collectiveness and, you know, being a church, you know, I look back uh, when I left the community and because what they do is they cut ties from you. It's like, don't talk to us. We want nothing to do with you. Uh, they don't say we're ashamed of you, but the actions say we're ashamed of you because you're, not, you're mm -hmm. no longer with us. And I wanted to reach out and I wanted to still be a part of a church group. And what happened was, you know, I, I was rejected. I was alone. And it was, I think, being alone and having no one to talk to, you know, besides my mom and dad, but having mm -hmm. no one to really talk to was like the most painful experience but only when I started talking about it with you know people like you and but I was very discreet at first I was very mm -hmm. like I I didn't want to uh, make a big deal out of it I was actually sugarcoating because I was protecting my abusers but now that I've been more open mm -hmm. I feel that I've been able to have better relationships mm -hmm. with myself and with others so Thank you for sharing that because it is yeah. so true. Yeah, no, I, I want to normalize that the healing process is really about talking about it, but doing it at your own pace and what feels safe for you because it can be re-traumatizing, you know, especially if there's been years and years from the incidences or incidents to now when you're, you're speaking out. Um, and that the only true way to heal that I've ever found, and I, I know it's in the literature and it talks about connection and connection to others and seeking community and building re re resilience by being your genuine self and not afraid to do that. There's plenty of people out there, Ryan, that are willing to make space for you. Well, There's amen. plenty of people out there. Amen. And I, I didn't believe that at first. Mm -hmm. um my my safe place was alcohol and just you know being miserable i wasn't a drunkard i have you know a few drinks here and there yeah. i wanted to you know um uh numb that yeah you were easing pain. the pain 
yeah and you know i mean you know the first step is you know acknowledging that, that you're an alcoholic and here i am saying i wasn't an alcoholic but um i i didn't want to look at the pain and i didn't want to see that what i went through was a shitty thing uh now that we're talking about it and perhaps there are other members who are uh just leaving this community mm-hmm. um like where like there's no gps you know map right. saying you know go here do this your first step is uh to talk to this person um what should someone who had just left this abusive religious abusive community uh what do you suggest that they do you know to get on the path for for healing like what would be like the first steps it's interesting that you asked me that question because before i got on here with you i'm part of a podcast for trauma therapists and or people that work in the field of trauma-informed care so you don't necessarily have to be a therapist and um they they were doing a segment on a religious on religious abuse and what that means yeah and so i was going to share that with you later but you know to answer your question I think there's mental health professionals out there that are more than willing to sit with individuals and discuss what's happened in a, in a space that feels welcoming and safe. And so I, I think that's one of the best steps to take. And then I think it's also about immersing and people in an atmosphere that doesn't feel um, like they have to be a certain way or another way. Like, just finding your tribe, whatever that means, you know, um, once again, going back to healing connection and in relationship with others, I would, I would recommend people finding groups that whether they choose to have it religious or not, that they feel like they're welcomed and safe and, and can be themselves and, and be genuine because part of what gets stripped away from individuals is like a, like a loss of authenticity. You're no longer who you think you are. You're who I say you are. And and that's so hurtful to people. I mean, best way to break somebody down and kick them to the curb is to to do that. You know, and and that's interesting enough when we were talking about alcoholism, what leads to substance abuse is the inability to be attached or connected and to be authentic. Wow. Well, thank you so much, Claudia, for sharing all this. And I'm, I'm sure it's going to help me, you know, usually after, after <laughs> listening to a podcast, uh, I like to reflect on, on what I just listened to. <laughs> and so you're going to make me do that on my own podcast. <laughs> I'm going to go back and, you know, reflect, uh, because I think it's something beautiful, which many of us had had lost. And that is, being your your genuine self you know loving mm-hmm. your loving you for who you are for whom god made you to be and yes i'm going to work on recapturing that you know love yeah that essence that genuine self yes yeah because there's a lot to love ryan you know as your friend and i've known you for several years now i would say probably about five six five already <laughs> wow it's been I think it's been a long time since we met at that that group, you know, the singles group out there looking, <laughs> yeah. 
looking to 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 be okay with being single i think is the way i would say it yes <laughs> and to find friendships and and uh yeah i would say there's so much about you that that's that's unraveling that you're starting to learn and to to come to terms with and so continue that work and uh you've touched you know my heart you know so much and with your wisdom uh if if there are people in the audience who would like to uh, learn some of your wisdom, uh, where could they find you at? Yeah, so I have an Instagram page and I have a Facebook page. And so my Instagram page is going to be higher love essay um, underscore, give me one second, anxiety coaching. So higher love essay underscore anxiety coaching um, on Instagram and then on Facebook. And I know this is kind of like a a lengthy title, but um, it is listed under overcoming panic attacks with higher love life coaching. Okay, folks. So you heard it. The Instagram is going to be higher love SA underscore anxiety coaching. And mm -hmm. the Facebook handle is overcoming panic attacks with higher love life coaching. Thank you very much, Claudia. You're it has welcome. been a pleasure having this discussion. And I am just so grateful to have you as, as my guest today. Oh, you're most welcome. And it was a pleasure being here. And I hope that this is helpful to you and to others and, and blessings. And once again, thank you for your time. It was, so, it was a pleasure. All right. And uh, to the audience who is listening, uh, thank you so much. And again, you can find Claudia on Instagram at higherlovesa underscore anxiety coaching or at Facebook, overcoming panic attacks with higher love life coaching. You all have a good day and God bless.